In today's episode of Donuts, I'm joined by the German electronic duo Digitalism, made up of Jens Müller and Ismail Izzy Tufekce. The pair have made music out of a refurbished World War II bunker for nearly 20 years. Known for their smash hits Starlight and Pogo, Digitalism have gone on to create four studio albums as well as a plethora of EPs, including their brand new Back to House, released on April 28th under the Running Back Records label. Digitalism have no plans on slowing down anytime soon. Today, I spoke with a pair as we look back on what's inspired, amazed, and continues to motivate them in their trek through the bountiful landscape of music. Whether it be monkeys joining their audience at Fuji Rock Festival in Japan, the incident when they threw up multiple pizzas before a Portland concert, their countless sinks in video games and TV shows alike, or a potential Vans and Digitalism shoe collaboration, this interview's got it all. Joining me right now is Mr. Jens Müller of Digitalism. Hope you're doing well today. Where are we calling in from? Uh, well, from the studio. Is he's coming later because he's still on? Uh, he's still got to look after his kid. No worries. I got plenty of questions. I've read a lot <laughs> about how you guys started as a duo back at that that vinyl shop in Hamburg in the early 2000s. The owner suggested you guys DJ some parties together. Both of you worked at the store. Yeah, yeah, I, I worked there um, after school, you know, in the afternoons. Um, Izzy came in just to hang out and check records and stuff. Um, also after school, I guess, or he was just finished by then. And then he started working in the um, the record shop was linked to, a, it's, well, it was, because it doesn't exist anymore, was linked to a, a vinyl distribution. Mm-hmm. So Izzy started doing here an internship there and, and, and became a trainee and, um and so he was either in the store or i had him on the phone because they had to get the whatever new releases shipped over or something um and um yeah no it was one of those you know um that the owner we we he's kind of our mentor you know like we're still really good friends um he was really good friends with um all those house guys from back then like Roger Sanchez and Louis Vega from Masters at Work, and um, he used to put on parties at the store as well when it was uh, the store's birthday in October, and um, it was it was really the the coolest record shop for for house music I think in in Germany. And uh, Hamburg was big for house music, anyways. You know, we had um, we had some big names back then. Yeah, that played big roles in in that genre like uh, end of the 90s, early 2000s and stuff. And um, famous clubs as well um, that shaped the sound a bit. So uh, yeah, that's where we met, like pretty early after school. And then um, uh, things started there, yeah. You guys started doing parties individually uh, that the owner, Ollie, talked about. Was there a moment or like a set or a party where you guys both kind of played together or realized like, Oh shoot! We could be a duo. There, there, no, there wasn't a moment. I think it just happened organically because um, uh, we, you know, we 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 started DJing and then we we DJ together. You know, the, it's all it's always nice if someone can take over while you have to go to the bathroom or you you you're talking to some of your friends because they came down or something. 
mm-hmm. um, so it makes life a little bit easier. Um, and then also, uh, it was great because we're kind of the same age, uh, and then and we could we we shaped our music like our DJ records taste together, kind of from the beginning. So um, I know exactly. We know exactly what each other would like, and and which record would be. Oh, you have to listen to this one. This is this is this is new this week. It's it's brilliant. You're gonna love it or something. And uh, it's it's very it's a very. We yeah we just know you know it kind of it grew organically. Naturally. Gotcha. Let's yeah. talk about some of those early influences. One of them was the series from Africanism on Yellow Records from France. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What can you tell me about the influence of those records aside from the fact that it led to digitalism, the name being created? Yeah, yeah. Well, you had to tell me about the, the name. Yeah. We just, I don't know. They were just a bit different. You know, it's it, it's the kind of sound that's at the minute it's coming back, um, like Afro House and stuff. <laughs> but back then it was, they were really, uh, they were different. They were the first records that we listened to that weren't just the same kind of soulful garage housey stuff you know they were a bit more edgy in a way um and it was something else and it, it was a series i don't know it just it, they just had this special appeal to them um you know there was they didn't they always had the same cover um and artwork there was not that no one was really featured or something they just had um like a lot a lot of French records from back then, French vinyl, um, they did that. They just had the same sleeves and then they put a little sticker with like whoever's on it this time or something on it, um, which is really nice. You know, there's no elaborate, let's work on this artwork for six months or something. It's just like this This time it's this guy or whoever. There you go. Um, so... Um, yeah, and the records were, they were really cool. You should listen to, uh, maybe you should listen to a couple of Yeah, those. no, I looked i looked a little bit into it. One thing that I was going to ask you is, I mean, they haven't released a record, I think, since 2006, 2007. Probably, I probably stopped. They did, um, we, we used to collect them, and then they did a, like a box set of all the past ones. And then, I don't know when that was, maybe 2004 or five or something. And then that's when I personally stopped Uh one of the first songs that you guys made, I believe, was a, a remix slash rendition of Seven Nation Army. Yes. yes. Can you tell me about that? Um, well, that was, uh, we made it in a, in a different bunker because we moved. Um, the first one was cheaper and in a rougher area. Um, and the owner allegedly had a, a hole in his leg or something. And the guy who was, yeah, the guy who was the... <laughs> The caretaker and the guy who dealt with all the tenants, um, he was uh, like uh, an ex-con and uh, yeah, it was all a bit rough, you know, but it was it was really good. So that was, we had a lot of sessions there, like five in the morning, bottle of wine or something. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, I think it was around the time when things like musically merged closer together you know with uh, electronic indie music and um uh techno house like everything kind of you know when electro clash came up and the um, lcd sound system and you know all this kind of stuff um and um actually when the white stripes became i mean they were big before but when yeah. when they you know when 
they went really really big um and yeah we we liked it so much that we thought well we have to do something about it we have to make it playable and um started editing it and made kind of an edit that turned into edit slash remix and a friend of ours he worked at a vinyl at like an online vinyl shop a record shop they but they also pressed vinyl so they did a couple of bootlegs from this one and it sold out really quick um it was three tracks right three tracks on that one yes with bez yes. and hassel the other two yeah ones? yeah yeah could because uh the where we made it it's called Hasselbrook. that's the that's the neighborhood um bez had another sample in it and uh, yeah it was just a white label with a yeah, it looked a bit McDonald's, yeah, the sticker on it. It, it was fun to make. It, 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 it was, we, we had to make it because we wanted to play the stuff in our sets and it had to get quantized and everything. Um, and we had to like kind of stretch into the right tempo and everything. So we had, had to kind of make it. And then, um, well, if they want to press it, then that's up to them, you know. So we were happy about that. Understood. And that same Seven Nation Army rendition, it was also one of the tracks sent out on your guys' demo CD to labels. Is that true? Uh, might, yeah, might, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it could have. That could have been the case. I don't know what um, our manager back then was really said, sending around sometimes because uh, he was like, just everything. Let's do everything. Put everything everywhere. Send it. Uh, I know these guys. Blah, 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 let's do something there. Um, but it, it, I'm sure it would have been on there because it's part of our history, I guess. This is a question specifically for you. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about Palermo Disco Machine? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that was just, um, yeah, it was a, you know, there's always so much music that we make. Uh, and uh, sometimes it doesn't fit to certain projects. So you have to find a new outlet for it. And uh, that was just uh, just one of those that just happened. Um, and at that time, we were still, you know, Kitsune Records, they were really uh, just putting out records every week and um, pressing vinyl, and uh, it was a hot thing. So if if you had anything, um, because we were talking to the guys that run, were, were running the label all the time because they were involved in, in the whole digitalism project anyways, you know, because we were, like, working with them very closely together. Um, so we were talking to them almost every other day or something. And then um, and then, then they were like, oh, this this stuff, yeah, let's just put it out. You know, that back then it was so much easier to release something on vinyl. Now it's really, you know, it's gotten so expensive and you have to wait probably now it's six months or something uh, because all the pressing plants are booked out. And mm -hmm. uh, one burnt down in the US, I think. Yeah. Uh, years ago or something uh, so it's it's very it's hard to get a slot there's there's record comp, uh, labels that have slots and they they even if they don't have a release they just ask if someone else wants to press something so they don't lose the slots like flights almost mm -hmm. um so uh yeah palermo was it was just a joke but um uh it came back later on alan brax's label with another uh, mini EP, um, and that was a bit more serious. Um, uh, who knows if it'll, it'll come back at some point? Yeah, um, it's, it's dormant. It's uh, it's like a 
yeah it's 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 half silly but also half uh yeah i don't know it's, it might just be around the corner i mean personally if i if i look at a track list and i see a song called shake that shit i feel like that would be a pretty fun song to hear live you know oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's true but you you never hear it live on the on a digi uh concert or something but yeah maybe palermo should be playing live at some yeah point well. have you never uh you never spun a, a song just for fun at any of your sets across the years from palermo yeah, of course we have, but not not where, not when we play concerts. Gotcha. Like, Smaller so, venues, yeah. clubs, more like it. Yeah, maybe I think maybe back then when we were DJing, um, and in the DJ set sometimes there's there's more. But if you know if you play for like three hours or something, then there's more space and time for for stuff. But if it's the, like a, a concert or a festival, like one hour slot or something, sometimes um, you you can't really venture out too far, you know. People are there to see some uh, digitalism stuff. Mm -hmm. Understood. Well, 2006, moving a little bit ahead. 2006 was a big year for you guys. Two gigantic remixes slash collabs with Technologic from Daft Punk and then Never Let Me Doubt Again from Depeche Mode. What was it like? I know you've mentioned before that Daft Punk was a great influence of your guys' work. What was it like, you know, getting the opportunity to do that and... Number two, these aren't just remixes that you do for the sake of remixes. These are on these artists' catalog on Spotify, Apple Music, Forever Etched in Immortality. Did it hit you in the moment just how crazy it was? Yes, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was a big honor to get this assignment. Um, in both cases, I mean, um, Def Punk were on the same label as us because we used to... Um, we we released on Kitsune, but also on uh, EMI Virgin France, and they had the same team looking after their the third album back then um, as as us. And um, yeah, I mean, we you know we 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 went on tour with them. We played a couple of shows with them when they when they came back in two thousand seven. Um, that was amazing, and um, yeah, no, it was it was it was pretty epic uh, because I, yeah, I mean you've read everything that we 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 collected all the records when we were like growing up and went to the record shop and um, yeah, they had a huge influence because um, I think the most appeal of those records would be that the, it, the, most of the stuff is just loops, you know, and there's no beginning and no end. So it's like, a, it's kind of infinite. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know, it, it, it never really starts, never really ends. You know, it could be playing for the next 10 years or something. Got um, you. It's a lot of that music. I mean, it got more, you know, sophisticated on, on that, on their, the guys' later albums and stuff, but for example, on Gimal's label, Kreidamur, they had projects. They, you know, um, they just, you know, they sampled something really quick on an SP-1200. Yeah. That's a kind of lo-fi, like, French sound. And put some beats underneath and then just, you know, release another record on, on Kreidamur. On Boom. On it's as easy as that. Well, everything looks easy, but... I mean, yeah. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. <laughs> It was that easy and everyone would be doing it. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, never underestimate stuff. You know, I think the other day, I, or a couple of years ago, I saw this. I mean, there's so many amazing, like, people and nerds out there that kind of rebuild 
here I, I I build whatever by the prodigy now from scratch or something in 10 minutes yeah of course if you know you know if, if you've been learning all your tools for the last five years or 10 years and you have everything prepared and did it there then it's easy but mm -hmm. you didn't make it in the first place you know it's it can't be that easy it's um you know someone just did it I know exactly what you're talking about. Those videos where they have like the, the tiny machines or they're like deconstructing tracks in like oh, yeah, FL yeah. Studio or whatever. You can learn so much from it, but but also a lot of the time how stuff came about is a lot more complicated and you need, you know, for example, I would say um, when we made Starlight, it was pretty quick. Um, but we without the 20 years leading up to that it wouldn't have happened you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. talking a little bit more about you guys developing and coming into the more mainstream spotlight tell me about what song you heard on the radio when you guys were on the way to the Pukul pop festival in belgium <laughs> well you you've read all this stuff um, yeah no that was i think yeah it was the first time you heard pogo on the radio and that was uh that was really cool. But then also, uh, I mean, it was there was a lot of really cool stuff happening um, for us, but we were just so busy that um, there was never really a break when you, you know, look at things from the outside or something. So, um, well, we kind of, I guess we're, we're doing that now. So we have a bit more time. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it was it was insane. I mean, uh, but then yeah, it was on the way to the festival. You arrived there, uh, unload, crew briefing. I don't know. Oh, we have to play in two hours. Get everything set up. Da, 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 you know, um, has everyone had some food? Can we? Are we good or something? I don't know. Um, and then it's time to play. And then after that, you know, you you're done. Mm -hmm. so, uh, there's not much time to reflect in that situation, but it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. Let's talk about festivals. You guys have played Coachella, Lollapalooza, South by Southwest, Rhymes and Vines, Electric Picnic, Ultra Music Festival, and countless other festivals in Europe and overseas that I cannot pronounce the name of correctly. Um, <laughs> you guys have mentioned in interviews before that feeling of being separated from the crowd in festivals because of, you know, the setups, the barricades the security, all that stuff. What do you think makes a good festival? What has like in the past elevated specific festivals above the others for you? I, it's There's no one formula, but I mean, me personally, I love good weather, but then also we've had loads of good festivals where the weather was really shit. <laughs> but I think at the end, it, it all comes down to... Um, to the by the, the the people you know the if the if the crowd if they are up for stuff uh, that's I mean that's obviously that's the best best thing and they they could be I mean they could be standing in the mud but if they're really like they really want to do this you know and you can feel that this is a certain energy that you you can feel like everyone can feel it um, and it um, just like amplifies each other, like bands and and, and the audience and stuff. Uh, that's that's the best thing. So I, I don't know. It probably depends on what makes the crowd have a really good day as well. You know, um, it's probably, I guess, 
sometimes, for example, if, if people have to travel further to get there, it can be a bit better because uh, if you just go, you know, you're at home and you cross the street and, and you're there, then you don't have to put so much effort into getting there. You know, you mm -hmm. might just have a look, you know, but you, do you really want to go there? You know, if you, if you make the one day journey to get there or you fly somewhere or that's uh, that's uh, a lot more dedication, of course. And then you really want this to be good. I don't know. Gotcha. So it's, um, it's hard to say. There's a lot of parameters. Sometimes everything just falls into place. Um, and the other time, you know, any experience is good, as we always say, even like we have so many like problems on stage or stuff missing, gear missing or, or an audience that wasn't ours, you know, it happens. Um, but that's, that's a fun bit about touring, you know, it's, it, that's if everything just always went the same way, it would be very boring. Exactly. Never... On the flip side, you guys have also played, I mean, a shit ton of smaller venues, random gigs, performing at clubs. What's the weirdest venue or weirdest show, like weirdest setting you feel like you've ever played at? Is there any that stick out over the years? Oh, it's really hard to say. Um, the weirdest, the, back then for us, the weirdest thing was to play in Japan. Like first time we got to Japan, that was pretty early on, I think 2007 or something, we played a festival called Fuji Rock and that is in a, in a, in a, in like a ski mountain resort. Oh. So we, we, we played, I think we played a festival in near Frankfurt in Germany, had to go straight to the airport at night, fly <laughs> to Japan. Um, we didn't know anything about it. We arrived there. Um, there was one guy, a driver, who picked us up, who didn't speak any English. <laughs> and we were really jet lagged and dead at the same time from the gig before. Um, and then because it's like a 10 hour flight or something. And then, you know, you arrive there in the morning, it's a red eye flight, arrive there in the morning, uh, really hot because it's like summer in Japan is really hot and sweaty. Mm -hmm and very sunny uh so you just like feel like a zombie and then you have this pickup and you think okay uh let's get in the car and then uh someone told us yeah it's gonna be another like two or three hours <laughs> <laughs> and then you know we stop and organize some food because we were starving and like no one was back then it was really you know like no one had iphones or or anything like that can help translate uh like things were different back then so and and, not, and no one spoke any english and the, so it was uh that was an adventure we got there the festival is amazing it's very famous um like there's a lot of people camping it's usually rainy up there because it's in the mountains and stuff um mm -hmm. but then there, there was rumor that uh i mean there's a lot of bugs flying around and there's rumors always that there's like monkeys joining the audience as well uh, <laughs> So that's, that was really cool, yeah. And then I think right after that gig, that was that the day we arrived, we drove back to Tokyo or something to uh, DJ once more. I don't know, but it was all like uh, a like in a weird dream or something. Um, I don't know if that was the 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 weirdest show, um, because the show was great, and I don't know if there were any monkeys in the, in the audience. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they just live in the mountains there, but um, it was really cool. Um, 
there's been so many other things. I mean, another crazy thing, it's not the, the, the weirdest, craziest show, but for us, for example, I mean, you might have heard of the, it's called The Gore in Washington State. It's, it's amazing. So we, we played a festival there, I don't know, like eight years, 10 years ago or something. And we flew to Seattle, went to all the like Twin Peaks, you know, mm-hmm. all the mountains and stuff. Uh, and then it opens up into a huge plane, and then there's this stage right at the the edge of this huge canyon, and it was wow! Like never seen anything like it. You know? Yeah, I mean the earth is just amazing. Um, and then if there's people that like dressed up and everything, I was that's oh, wow, so cool. I uh, love yeah, that. That's lots of crazy stuff. Um, this is not even crazy. There, there would have been some crazy stuff for us, but uh, those are some great tidbits. I love the monkeys in the audience. I've never heard yeah, that. <laughs> I don't know if they were there, but all right. More about performing. Jens, you are the lead vocalist most often in you guys' catalog. How'd you adjust to performing hits like Pogo and Circles live on stage instead of just being a you know a DJ behind a, a setup? Um, um i i don't know uh you know i i just uh i grew into this role uh because we 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 just wanted some when we made idealistic we just uh needed some vocal or we thought let's have let's put some vocals on there and then from then another time oh let me put some vocals on there and then uh, um so i didn't really want to become a singer or something but um it's just a the role I assumed, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I yeah, it's I don't know. Well, we we have our warm up routines and stuff before we go on stage. You know, if, if it's a live show, um, because that involves a lot more like physical action than DJing. Um, and um, yeah, there's there's a bit of warm ups uh, involved and stuff. I mean, the stuff like I don't know anyone will be doing. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. It's just the, the, the most tension is before you go on stage. And then once you're on stage and you start, it's all, you know, it's always good, <laughs> but uh, like this, the, the anxiety, like it really builds up because, um, yeah, up to the point, but, but when you actually start and then, and then it all drops and then you can release all that energy. It's, it's hard to say, but, um, yeah, we take we take warm up uh, warming up quite seriously, and um, uh, yeah, I don't know, As, you know, you have to be physically fit. Like one time we played in Portland, and we had we we had we did a concert, and we had half an hour, and we were starving until showtime. We were starving, went across the street. Oh, let's get a slice of pizza. Ah, oh, you know what? I want this pizza. You want it? Let's just get a pizza each or something with the crew and everyone ordered pizzas and they were so big. Like we literally, we, 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 one guy was vomiting or something, you know, <laughs> we literally, we couldn't move. It was very bad. Um, so you have to, you know, you, you have to get everything right. It's like, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't go play football or something and you just had a huge pizza or, or you've not had any food for two days, or like you know, you have to get your sleep in between it. Da, 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 da. It's everything's re- really important. You just you have to kind of hit it. 
from the right angle. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, hopefully uh, the whatever pizza restaurant in Portland is not listening to this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It might have been a shame. I don't know. <laughs> the pizzas were good. It was just too much. Yeah. What can you tell me about the concept of album releases starting a new era for an artist? You know, so often you feel you see musicians that go between whether it be different sounds when they release a new album, they can go a whole different direction. It could be, you know, visuals on stage or mm -hmm. even something as simple as like the outfits they dress up on for their social media posts. What can you tell me about eras? I mean, it's it's an it's an old concept, I guess. Uh, it's you know, um, I th I think people get to know you when you first surface. Um, so you have that wild card, and then you, you can do anything you want, and then you kind of get the people like they they kind of have a certain expectation for the follow up and stuff. Uh, but you also you know you're developing, uh, growing up or something, or you have certain ideas you want to follow up on. And st so um, obviously um, there's always gonna be a bit of a clash, you know, um, you can always serve the same stuff, of course, but um, it's, I think you, we, we get bored easily of stuff, you know, so you wanna change things around and it's nice to, um, to have a theme. Um, so, uh, and and a con bit of a concept, so um, you bundle that around an album. Uh, usually, you know, um, th there's more to talk about if when when you have an album and it's got this and this look or something, and you're starting a new show and and everything. There's a there's a new there's a new story. There's more context and and and, and new new things around it to tell. Uh, so the story changes always a little bit because, um, for, for example, if you have on uh, album two, it, it will be a different story than album one, you know, like, uh, why did you do make it? How did you make it? Uh, what do you want to say with it or something? It's completely, the, the circumstances are completely different. Um, so, of course, the, the, the look and feel of it will change as well. Mm -hmm. um, we, however feel it's really important and we we just always naturally stick to it kind of that you know you shouldn't lose your your signature element or something i don't know what that would be in our case but i guess if you listen to i don't like a certain catalog of our songs then you kind of get it uh, probably um so it's it's really important to to keep your signature um i think and then you can do whatever you want you know uh, it's it's um yeah i think i lost my train of thought now but it's um yeah it's nice to, to have a theme and it's nice to have different themes because if it's always the same then you know been there done that kind of you know yeah on the topic of eras let's talk about album covers really quick um you guys this cover arts have kind of been you know, a nice variety of different stuff. For idealism, you had the analog green text covering a shrouded face. I love you, dude. Is probably the most simple one. White background, black heart, and the album title on there. Mirage, you guys had shattering prisms and rainbows cast over a desert at dusk. And then the mm -hmm. most recent full-length album, JPEG, 
It's got that film photography aesthetic with the ISO, the IEC details, and has the Easter egg to your guys' uh, debut album with the original digitalism logo. Um, which one do you think matches the overall feel or sound of the album? Oh, which art? Which yeah, which album? artwork? Yeah, which artwork? I don't know. I mean, that's I. I think that's up to the listener, really. We don't really, in, in, um, you know, we don't think we we you know there's stuff to explain. Really, it's 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 up for like you know, it's hard to explain songs, for example, uh, because our songs are quite abstract. Uh, we don't we don't really um we don't write stories there's no story that it's like an abstract like a scene or a picture or something and then it's really up to the listener to to like uh, what they think about it or interpret it or something and it's it might be the same with the artwork i mean i I don't think artwork has to be really connected to the content necessarily. Um, it can be, but it's it would be almost maybe too obvious if it was. You know, it's like uh, I, I don't know if yeah, it's it's hard to say. But if I had to pick one, I I it's really hard to say. I don't know. I mean, the most abstract would be probably "I Love You, Dude." It's it because it's very very reduced, um, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know, hard hard to say. Gotcha, gotcha. I like that's an interesting interesting take on album artwork, but I appreciate it. I think it's a good. I think I, it's. I think the more unexpected also. I mean, I don't know if it was the case in our with our uh, artworks, but um, I think the more unexpected or or like. Uh, um the better you know if you have i think it, it, it if you make the brash the better you know yeah 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 because it's got it's got it's oh this is you know it's it's got it's um sorry oh how are you doing my friend <laughs> yeah because i think artwork has um has the right to be important as well and not just uh, an add-on to music you know i think it's uh, if it's something amazing then that should get its own space i think it's been almost 20 years now since you guys have started making music as you 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 are able to you know listen to more music that's released watch more films etc has that mindset has your appreciation changed i guess when it comes to your influences of course because you're learning more that's a normal process and um, what is really interesting for example all of a sudden you're stepping into something where you even couldn't think or you don't know about that theme and then you're totally into this and mm -hmm. then that's the interesting part it's like we we like for example indiana jones movies a lot of people might be don't know Indiana Jones anymore, but um, it's 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 kind of they're making a new one. Yeah, with the Harrison Ford, he's like de-aged with the CGI. Yeah. <laughs> so this this is it's it's all about it's kind of even like, like you're stepping into a labyrinth and you don't know what's 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 coming up or what is above or underneath, left and right, and that's a really interesting thing about music. 
And um, even if you're discovering other radio stations than usual or like people, even use social media, for example, it doesn't matter which platform, there's so much interesting stuff, like score movies you never heard of and you're influenced or Italo Disco. And then you just say, hey, wait, 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 where is this all coming from? And that's the interesting part. And I don't want to jump too much around, but what is really interesting as well is that the music from the past in the 70s or 80s, it took much longer to produce and to put it out. But there was still so much output. Mm -hmm. I don't know even if we have similarities to the output these days, of course, you have much more than the past. Um, because it's, you can produce a song now and upload it tomorrow. But it's really interesting. There's so much undiscovered stuff. Even there's a label from San Francisco called Dark Entry Records. And he's putting unreleased stuff out. And the question is always, wait, where does it come from? How? And, and this is really what we love. It's like finding new ways, finding new inspirations, and of course, there's some music always what doesn't fit to digitalism, but there's always a matter of taste where it goes to digitalism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much stuff, and we get inspiration every day from from things around us, and we never that that would never stop. Um, but the original inspiration that started the project, the, the original mission briefing, that's. That's just the same. Let me ask you this. When it comes to, you know, stumbling upon all these new sounds, artists, films, influences across the years, I feel like myself, if I were a musician, I would just keep going down these rabbit holes of, oh, I heard this new sound. I'm going to go in the studio and record 20 songs based off of this. But then the next day, you might hear another artist and be like, hold up, I want to explore this genre. How do you go about, like, yeah. balancing all those influences, you know, and wanting to tap into all these things you're discovering? Well, you have to you have to filter hard, uh, and you you I mean you can work with these influences, um, but yeah, you have to kind of get the essence out for um, for, for in our case for digitalism, for example. What can what what does it bring to the digi table or something? You know, um, uh, with a lot of time, you can go down all those routes, of course, um, but you also you. You, you know, like you have to kind of stay focused a little bit. It's but it's hard because it's so much good stuff. Gotcha. Quick question for Izzy, since you just got here. From my research, you seem to be a pretty big fan of Van the shoes. What can you tell me about DJ and playing festivals, concerts? As though your your go to shoes for pants. Ah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got them on right now. How'd yeah. that start? Honestly, I was always like, I don't know. It started somehow. Yeah, I, I have to say one thing that wearing van shoes is not the healthiest way for your back balance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, if you're young, you don't care. <laughs> uh, if, if, if there is a certain age and um, you're not doing exercise anymore, then you realize what's going on. But um, I like it. You know, it's like these days, they're getting better and better. Honestly, like they have this uh, Vans MTA stuff. But it's really cool, comfortable as well for the feet. And I don't know. I was like, I can't skateboard. And I'm not totally into the skateboard world. But sometimes it's really fun to watch it. 
and yeah. I saw all the kids wearing vans and it got stuck. And to be fair, when when it was 2005 or 2006-ish when we started, I had a really big feed. Our, my size was US 13 to yeah. 14. Okay. And at that period, it was pretty frustrating in Europe when you went to a, to, to, <laughs> to a food shop, uh, not food, like... I couldn't never find anything in my size. So I started to order some stuff from America or I, I ordered some stuff online. And it was always Vans, Converse and Nike and Adidas start pretty late actually as well mm. to extend their size. I, I didn't have much choice at that period actually. That's an interesting story. Let me ask you this. There's been a few artists over the years that have done like collabs with shoes uh, I mean, you had ASAP Rocky do a collab with, I believe, Vans a few years ago. And then Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar did one with Converse. Um, I actually have a pair of those. What would a, uh, what do you think a, a Digitalism Vans collab would look like? Would you go for maybe like album artwork inspired for the colors or something else? Yeah, that's a... No, 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 no. We won't go. No, album artwork is not timeless, though, yeah. you know, because album artwork, then you have to get new vans every year with a new album or whatever. Uh, True. It <laughs> would have to be something that can, that can in theory, use for the next 10 years. Um, it would be a bit more neutral, maybe, you know, like towards what we wear on stage or something, a bit more monochrome or like reflective silver or something what maybe if, but also i'm not i'm not designing what if, shoes what if for sure i would i need to convince jens but we're definitely gonna use italian leather yeah yeah italian. <laughs> oh there's like there's some good stuff it's good quality i know it's not like a good thing for the animals and all that kind of stuff but uh, if you have italian leather that's pretty a good standard for shoes yeah gotcha random thing you guys like carrot cake and key lime pie is that right yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about what's your favorite after concert snack or food to just like, you know what? We killed it. We're tired. We want to eat something right now. Is that what you guys go to or is it something else? Uh, you you usually don't get that at, at a concert, you know, because it has to, has, has, I don't know, has to be in the fridge and everything. Dessert after the show, not really. It's, it's easier at 2 a.m. to get a pizza or something. Not yeah. that we really love a pizza at 2 a.m. but sometimes you just have to do it you know because you, you know maybe in a few hours you have to go to the airport or you, you're gonna wake up like being really pissed off if you don't eat well and get the, the energy back or something but the best thing after the show being in japan and playing a show because you I'm play most of good. the time <laughs> early so yeah. it really depends where you are which countries because some like I mean, the first times when we played in LA, I remember because it was the first time for me being in America, mm -hmm. was like, well, okay, Dinah, okay, let's check this oh, out. Yeah, that's... And all that kind of... oh, that's a pretty interesting part. And it really depends where you are because there's only certain stuff open during the night, yeah, even yeah. if it's weekend. And sometimes you're too tired, but uh, we do crazy things in Japan. We, we can go five times for dinner yeah actually, and all that kind of stuff or, or, or if i mean it's always nice when yeah. you're in mexico yeah. or something you know like the food's amazing or there's so many like countries where you can get nice late night stuff but you have to organize everything so if something that has to be there after the show 
for the crew and everyone backstage. It's hot. It you know three a.m. or something. What can you do? They, they just heat up a pizza or something. Uh, but the best thing is if you have time to go out for dinner or something. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You guys need to like next time you go on tour, just hire a food intern. Their only job is to just go get you guys key lime pie or pizza or whatever to have on hand. Yeah, that was great. There was one Asian um, takeaway here in Hamburg. Uh, they that was our favorite, like twenty five years yes. ago. Went there all the time. Uh, they closed. We can't find them anywhere. We don't know where they are, but they were so good. We were back then. We were thinking of if we can find them, maybe that we can hire them to they can come on the tour bus, and 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 do the the, the catering and stuff. <laughs> so good. Food part is pretty important as well when you travel because it means a lot from the culture side, and that's that's again a new learning you know new taste new learning and it's like again it's opening up a new adventure for yourself as well it really depends of course what kind of type you are but uh, it's actually like one of the main things what we love as well about certain countries is like can't wait to have this food adventure jumping in yeah is there any like really weird dishes you guys have ever tried when traveling abroad Jellyfish, yeah. Oh, jellyfish. In Shanghai. That was a bit weird, but uh, it was interesting and weird. I don't, we might, there might have been some other stuff. Again, <laughs> a long thing because it's been a long, a, a long, a, a many years with long nights. It's All right, moving on. Your publishers have done one hell of a job over the years, I'll tell you, with getting syncs for video games. Um, I'm going to focus on one and then I'll talk a little bit more about the others, but FIFA, you guys are a part of a group, very exclusive group of artists that have appeared on three different FIFA soundtrack, um, titles. I mean, some of the other artists in this group are Block Party, Empire of the Sun, Gorillas, Portugal, the Man, Madeon. Um, yeah. What can you tell me about? I don't know. Did it feel cool to get on the FIFA soundtrack, or was that just another, another? Oh, we made it on the soundtrack. That's cool. No, I wouldn't. Say if you play a game and you realize how cool the music is when you play this game, and all of a sudden they ask you, "Hey, you want to be a part of this?" It's 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 pretty interesting. And if you see the steps, how important is getting playing a game and music? It's really interesting as well because reaching out an audience where you wouldn't even think about like how many people are playing FIFA, you know, how many people are watching soccer. So it's a pretty big sport. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of honor. And if they ask us almost every four years or six years or. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's coming around the time where you guys should be on the next year's soundtrack, right? It's been a few years. It's going up. No, but um, I would say, of course, a publisher plays a big part of this, but I would say there's somebody sitting and, and loves our music because um, what is really interesting as well, it's not only work of publishing, it's as well like that somebody is a music advisor for, for a project and loves different kind of genres. And this guy have, or these guys who who's working at EA Sports, they showed again they have a really good taste. 
Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I like what you said about, you know, people being exposed to your music that normally would never be in that realm. And myself being one of them, I played FIFA 12 all the way back in the day. And I remember like years after the fact was when I like finally went back to the soundtrack and was like, all right, what were these songs? Because it always stuck in my head, Jens, the part on Circles where you're just like, again and again and again and again. And I was like, what song is that? Because that song is so catchy. And then I looked it up. I found I Love You, Dude. And then years later, I mean, last year, I think it was, I was studying for an exam in one of my classes. And I just turned on Mirage. And that album was like, I have never studied as hard as I have when listening to that album. I was just like going into overdrive listening to those sounds. So yeah, wow. it's, just, it's just pretty crazy how you can discover people through those avenues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's people that they know, they know our songs on FIFA. They don't listen to our kind of music usually, but they love the soundtrack and um, they they just know one song from us or something. Mm-hmm. You know, completely different groups sometimes, which is uh, I would say it's really a big, interesting. Pretty big door opener for yeah. somebody if you're like on that kind of stuff, like even on GTA or some other stuff. It's always a big door opener because when you're looking to the scene, what what happened in the U.S. at the beginning 2008 to 10 with David Guetta and all that kind of stuff, a lot of people are getting always upset about it. But it's not a question of being upset. That's the best thing ever for a genre. If people are coming and this genre is getting big in the mainstream, that's a really big profit for all the artists from this genre because it opens up so much doors because you recognize different kind of music, the festivals are booking different stages with different kind of genres and people are stepping into this and it's like their biggest adventure and all that kind of stuff. And this is how it goes and it still goes like this. Uh, What is a little bit, what a little bit changed is that the music is not much crossover anymore. It's more like... Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I play FIFA every year and I feel like they've gone less away or they've gone more away from like just a mishmash of like a bunch of different independent artists. Nowadays, it's just a little bit more like mainstream pop, a lot of more hip hop. And I miss the old FIFA soundtracks. But I mean... Next year is not gonna be a FIFA game out, but they call yeah. it. It's a, a new title. Yeah, it's, it's like EA EAFC or something like that. Because they are not ready to pay that much anymore. What I can totally understand. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's, it's a really big honor, and even like uh, having one song for the best part, like on the last FIFA game, is as well like a big honor as well, like. They, I don't know how many songs they had, but if they choose our song from one million other ones, and that's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I mean, you guys have been on a plethora of other video games, mostly having to do with racing, interesting. I mean, Forza Horizon, Forza Horizon 2, Forza Horizon 3, Gran Turismo Sport, Need for Speed, did you guys ever expect to be on a racing video game? And what do you think about your music? makes it so i don't know makes it make sense to be on a racing game and uh, we never thought about it and uh 
and it does i mean we 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 think that our music is good for traveling um we come up with ideas why we're traveling um it it's it's the kind of music that you put on you look out of the window or something while you're traveling it kind of that's how sometimes we feel about our music so it in a way it might make sense it's it's pretty it's like it's driving kind of you know it's a driving kind of music um so maybe maybe that's why um uh, that, that would make sense but i mean you have to ask the, the people that curate the soundtracks uh, why they chose us but um i could imagine maybe it's because i probably feel the same you've also appeared on a few pretty prominent tv shows across the years i mean you've been on love island uk csi <laughs> new york csi miami the originals and the misfits out of those those five shows i can name them again like we had csi new york csi yeah. miami love island the originals were there any of like any show appearances of your guys's music where you were just like what is this doing on this show? Like, never in a million years would I have thought digitalism to be on Love Island, we, yet it is. We never, we never, we would, ne we never expect any music to land on any show. Hey, so we, we, I don't, I, we, it'd be the same for all of those shows. Which, we didn't, never expect we Which song? It, which know? song was on Love Island? Um, <laughs> let me let me look it up. Let me look it up, uh, real quick. There's a website called Tune Find where you can find oh, yeah, yeah, all of your syncs. Um, hold up. Pogo was on season four, episode twenty five. Uh, what what country was that? UK. UK, yeah, UK. I think did they do a US one as well? Yeah, there's a US version. This one, uh, this UK episode came out in twenty eighteen. Oh yeah. yeah. I think the BBC they had, they even had they used. I th maybe it was Pogo or something for uh, doing like some uh, soccer presenting broadcasting as well at some point, which was really cool. Um, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. There, there was a couple of things. Um, so it's always really cool, but we never. We, I mean, to be, be fair, a lot of the time we don't even know. Oh, this series never heard of it, you know, because. The, so much stuff out there but it's I, great had, if you're I had a lot of feedback <laughs> when miami showdown was on csi yeah and what was csi and csi uh let me look it up miami showdown it was on okay it was on a bunch of shows it was on csi new york it was on top gear uk person of interest uh shadow hunters Exactly, personal interest. Uh, like I got a lot of feedback as well, like from friends. Hey, watching this, and then all of some Miami showdowns is coming, and all. But at the end, we didn't watch Miami, CSI, uh, Miami, CSI Miami, and Person of Interest. But then at the at the past, if you have time or now, then you're starting watching it slowly, and then you recognize, oh shit, yeah, that was our music. Being in the music industry okay. now for almost two decades, I'm sure you guys have seen plenty of change. What's one thing you miss? from you know back when you were starting to make music and what's one thing now that you're glad has kind of changed or evolved in your world yeah yeah so i mean i, I mean, kind of miss you know like back then you went to a club and the dj might have been in a corner somewhere and if you focus on the sound and on the tracks and if you want to know something you have to go there and, and check oh what's he playing or something um so that was a bit more just like being there for the music really that was really cool What's cool nowadays is that making stuff and creating stuff is so much more affordable. 
You know, you don't need 100 grand anymore to produce a song. Everyone can make music and share it and, and, and get really creative. And I think that's a really, really nice thing. Like everyone can work together. You can work with someone from the other side of the planet and they send you some stuff. And, you, you know, it's, I think that's really cool. Looking at artists that you kind of, I don't know, came up alongside. I've read about you guys in your relationship with the band Goose. Um, are there any artists over the 20 years of your guys' career that, I don't know, you feel like you've gotten to share a musical journey with, whether it be starting at the same time, making music together with people who maybe aren't active anymore, but they've had a big influence on your career because of earlier stuff you did? I would even thank some other people like Solvex or like Arrow Alcan and all that kind of other people. Um, totally definitely forgot you people, all the Australian gangbang guys or gang guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, no, seriously, like, um, because if you look into our career, like, it was kind of pretty funny. We have always this funny story about Starlight, actually. Um, we didn't have a label for Starlight, and uh, we hired a PR company who never charged us. <laughs> and they went to Miami with 50 CDs of Starlight. And uh, Pete Tong is like, at, at his time, he was... With his radio show on BBC, pretty big. He's still now big as well, and uh, he played Starlight, and um, people went nuts, mental, and even we didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. And then this song got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and this is always one of my my best examples. Always, it's like if you're doing some stuff, what is totally untypical. I mean, in the past, it was normal that you gave people a vinyl CDs. Now you're getting tons of inbox stuff and you need to filter a bit, but uh, coming back and um, we had like big supporters like Solvex and Aero Alcan and some other people, Jilda and Messiah, of course, and some, some, a lot of more. And that was kind of pretty interesting as well. And I would say they played as well a big part where we've been as well, like, because if DJ's playing your music, it's always good. That means they feel something with it. Even people, it's not like, I just say always, um, people make their own story with different kind of music. And it's really cool that somebody sends you a DM and just says, hey, this and this happened, or even your story, I, you studied pretty hard and listened to me, Raj. That's kind of stories why actually I'm doing music, that people are sharing their stories or having a story with your music, and that's a perfect match. And I guess it's always a good storyteller when other DJs plays your music because you are not in this room or you're somewhere else and you're getting a reaction of your song somehow People are texting you or doing other stuff and it's it's pretty cool like the next example is when justice played blitz in the past in australia and a friend of us sent a video and just say hey people are going nuts crazy like this stuff is really 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 like nice and this is what i'm saying it's like story you don't know what happened to the people being in the festival what kind of connection this song have or or this and this and this more 
to say, but uh, to short it up. Gotcha. It's because you mentioned Goose, they just played here in Hamburg uh, last week. Um, we talked to the guys like, a lot. Uh, we, they, we kind of shared the same stages with them for a long time. Um, they were part of the whole, uh, like the guys that Izzy mentioned as well, you know, we, you see each other again, it's like a class school, like a school trip, which you play certain stages at festivals and stuff. And over the last 20 years, there's been a, like so many artists that we were very grateful um, have, that we had the opportunity to play with them. And um, uh, yeah, so that's, it's, it's, and everyone's grown up a little bit now, got a bit older, but mm -hmm. everyone's out there, so that's really cool, you know. Well, last thing, just to wrap it up, got to ask about, you know, new music. What teases or hints can you give me? I did another remix for our friend Florian Kruse. It's coming out. Like the next two months is pretty packed with club music. But uh, I wouldn't say it's proper club, club, club. Even like the single on the sevens is, there's like some nice stories behind it. It's sometimes the most requested track after a DJ set from us, like where people just say, hey, which track was this or sending a video. So we are really happy to release it. And after this, we're going to have definitely a few surprises in a way of might be not releasing a club singer, might be releasing something else. We do have two months time to see what we're going to do. Nice. Glad to hear it. All right, y'all. I appreciate you taking the time today to talk with me. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Alrighty. You're all good. I hope you guys have a uh, good rest of your day. And also, one last thing. I did take German for six years of uh, school, but I've, I haven't studied consistently since 2019. So I was like, should I ask them a question in German? But I was like, I'll probably just end up embarrassing myself. Uh, no, no, you, you wouldn't. It. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs>